church. Look, we clap. It's good to be in God's house. Hey, well, it's uh, it's almost Christmas time. Excited, exciting time of the season. Amen. And uh, hey, if you're here for the first time, let me just say um, we're glad that you're with us. We really are. We're grateful that you're here. We don't care what time of the year it is. We're just grateful that you're with us. And for everyone uh, joining us for the first time at our Collingswood location, can we show some love to everyone at Collingswood? Come on, show some love and. And uh, man, just grateful for what God has been doing through the life of the church. And before I get into the word this morning, let me just say at the very beginning of today's message um, to everyone, this is the time of the year uh, when this house begins to see a significant um, increase in year-end giving of your generosity. And can I just say from the bottom of my heart, thank you um, for your faithfulness. Thank you for your continued generosity to the house of God. If it were not for your obedience and faithfulness and giving, we would not be able to see what God is doing in the life of this church. It is a partnership that God has with the church, and I'm just grateful for you. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. I know many gifts have come in, and many will come in before the end of the year. So thank you uh, very much for that. Um, Pastor Brian had uh, mentioned here at the Mantua location that uh, the Turkey Bowl just happened. The Turkey Bowl. And uh, the uh, Unders won this year, I believe. And um, that does happen. Blind squirrels find nuts every once in a while. And um, I will say this. We need the overs to turn up next year so we don't have to cancel the Turkey Bowl, okay? Um, Because we can't have them win two years in a row. It just does something to their ego. We got to kind of we have to help that a little bit. Um, but hey, I, I love I love Christmas time. It's it's something. It's exciting. I, I think it's important for us to recognize as as spiritual uh, as believers in Jesus that that we carry something of significance with us, and we we have a, a deep resounding hope in our heart from Jesus, and people desperately need what we carry. And I, I just want you to know that a lot can can come at you in many different dimensions in many different ways and you can be um, bombarded with all these things that you need to get done and all these things that you need to accomplish and do but can I just tell you in the moment just in your time with God recognize that you have the greatest gift given to humanity in Christ Jesus and and people around you people beside you need Jesus desperately and and in this season where people are searching and hoping to have fulfillment and joy and peace you can be that person to connect them with Jesus I just want to challenge you in this season make it make it a significant season this year make it a season where you go out of the the ordinary path that you travel and connect with with someone who's in need. Can I tell you, the Holy Spirit has a mission for you this season. I don't want you to miss it. There's people around you that you might not see, that you may miss, but I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit hasn't missed them. He sees them, and He wants to use you to connect them into a personal relationship with Jesus. So be sensitive to that, amen, as we go into this season. I I love this time of the year, especially my children are at the ages uh, six, five, and uh, three and a half, and and Levi is the best. He's my youngest, uh, my little boy, and and he's he's excited about this this Christmas. And, and his eyes get real big when he talks about it. He doesn't really know what it's about. He knows he's getting gifts, but his eyes just get really big. And um, and, and so it's been a correction um, thing for a while, just saying, hey, if you do that, no presents. And he kind of like backs off, you know what I mean? But re- recently, he, he was sitting on my lap just last night, and he says, Dad, I know what I want for Christmas. I'm like, what do you want, bud? He says, I want, and, and Liza's sitting on the sofa uh, across from us, and he says, a pocket knife. 
<laughs> her eyes real big. And I kind of like, you know, my father bought me a machete when I was five, so I'm kind of contemplating it, right? I'm kind of like, ah, maybe, maybe I could do this. And, and Liza is reading, and she looks up, and she says, no way, you know, no way. And I look at her, and I said, oh, sorry, bud. I don't think we can get a pocket knife. And, and, and Liza chime, it chimes in, because I said to him, I'm sorry, I don't think we can get a pocket knife. He's like, what? No pocket knife? And Liza's like, no, 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 no. He will destroy everything in the house. And he does a lot of damage already with like spoons. So if he had a pocket knife, it would be terrible. And he looks at me, he goes, Dad, I'm not gonna destroy anything. I just wanna cut all the blinds. And, <laughs> I look at him, I'm like, did he just say that? And I'm like, buddy, what do you mean? He's like, I need to fix all the blinds. I was like, okay, you're not going to get a pocket knife, buddy. No pocket knife this year. He just wants to fix things. The other day he was out in the garage and he came running inside and he says, dad, I fixed the van. And I'm like, I kid you not, he was so pumped and, and um, he was so excited and he found this little uh, screwdriver and so he took uh, the liberty to scratch off um, a good section of paint on the back of the van and he said, hey dad, look, I fixed the van. And he was so happy and um, <laughs> I said, go tell your mother what you did to her van. <laughs> And then she yelled at me and says, how are you going to fix it? I said, your son already did fix it. It's, <laughs> it's good. Hey, do you, know, do you know this time of the year, um, I don't know about you, but Thanksgiving always leads me into this, this, not strange spiritual place, but into this place of where I just recognize God's faithfulness to me, right? And I, I, I'm overwhelmed by it at times, but I, I, believe, I believe we can miss it. In a very simple way, I believe we can miss God's faithfulness, and I think there's a danger in missing God's faithfulness because if, you're, if you forget that God's faithful, you start seeing things differently, you start speaking differently, you start acting differently because you forget how faithful God is. And, and I know every time we talk about faithfulness, it's, it's easy to kind of relive and remember the moments and say, no, 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 wait a second, I remember when. Some of you need to go back to this, and you go, I remember when I was lost and God found me. I, I remember when I was sick and God healed me. I remember when I was emotionally distraught and God gave me healing. I remember when I had no purpose and God gave me purpose. I remember all those things. I had no peace and God gave me peace. And, and you, have to, you have to get to a place to remember when. When you remember those moments, it's easy to be like, aha, but I'm at a point in my life where it's like, I don't want to forget it. I don't want to forget it. I don't want to go through the week and just be like, oh, I, I, I have to remember God's faithful. And I think the reason being is because when, when you forget God's faithfulness, it does, it alters your attitude. It alters the way that you do life. And for many of us, we don't even recognize it. It happens subtly, and, and all of a sudden we start acting differently, we start speaking differently, and we forget that we are chosen, set apart, heirs to the throne of heaven. We're children of God. We forget that because we forget about God's faithfulness. I want to talk to you today and let you know that, that we're not done celebrating God's faithfulness. And we are, we are literally weeks away from being in our new building. I wanted to let everyone know that as a, as a team, our goal was to be able to get in at the end of this month. It was one that we were pursuing. Um, I can't even explain to how much time the team has put in to really get into the building at the end of the year. And uh, we, were, we, were, we were really 
keen on getting in at this time, but there are some things that were out of our control and some things um, that we, you know, that kind of came last minute and we weren't aware of, particularly with some of the water into the building and whatnot. And, and so we're going to get in soon, uh, but we won't be able to get in by our Christmas services. But can I just tell you, like, I look at it and I just smile because I'm like, regardless of obstacle and regardless of, of difficulty, God continues to be faithful. God's faithfulness is not obscured by the things that happen around us. And some of you need to hear that, that, that God's still faithful even when you are not. I'm grateful that God's faithfulness is not contingent upon my faithfulness. I'm grateful that God's faithfulness is, is a dynamic of his nature. It's just who he is. It's just, uh, he's faithful. And, and his promises are true. He doesn't make a promise and be like, oh, I forgot about that promise. God is faithful. And often we, we forget his faithfulness because it doesn't fit in the timeline that we want it to fit in. Or we don't see it the way that, 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 that God sees it. And I, I just want you to hear me this morning, church. Uh, I want you to know that, that God's faithful. That he sees you. He's not done yet in your situation. He's not done yet working out the details. But can I tell you, in the midst of wherever you are, there's something that needs to, there's something that needs to be birthed and reminded in our spirit that God is faithful. He's a faithful God. It's in his nature to who he is. Um, Deuteronomy 7, 9, it says this. It says, know therefore that God, your God is God. The faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I love this. It's a declaration of saying God is God. It means he's in control. He is all powerful. I love that declaration. It says that God is faithful. He's immutable. It means he does not change. He is a keeper of his covenants. And I love this concept that says that God's love is steadfast. It's continual. It keeps coming. It doesn't stop. In 2 Timothy, it says this, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. What a thought. What a thought. It means that when we lie and break promises, God still keeps them. When we mess up and make mistakes, God doesn't make mistakes. When we turn away from God, he doesn't turn away from us. When we mess up, God is faithful to pick us up and keep pushing us forward. When we're discouraged, God doesn't get overwhelmed with our situation. He doesn't start saying, oh, this I've never seen this one before. What am I going to do? I don't know what button to push or where to go. God does not get overwhelmed in the sense that we get overwhelmed. He's faithful in all seasons. And I suppose more than anything else, it's okay. If he is faithful, how do we see it? How do we walk in it? How do we not become distracted by it? I realize that through, through our seasons of life, we can, we, can, we can mess up and we can do things wrong. And then often we feel like God discards us or, or God's looking down from this mighty throne, despising us or waiting for us to mess up. And, and often if you come into a church environment and it's a very religious environment, that is based all around works, and look what I have done, and look what I've done here, and look what I've done there, and your righteousness is based upon your works, this type of feeling can become quite common in a church environment. Because if it's all based upon what you've done, then the moment you've done things you shouldn't have done, then all of a sudden you don't have righteousness. But how many know that our salvation is not based upon our works or our righteousness? It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ and his righteousness so that none of us can boast. Amen? 
And so there's a power in knowing that, right? And so when we come to a place before God and we know that, listen, it's not based upon what I've done, but what he has done for me. Some of you need to be reminded that people constantly, in every single book of the Bible, we see people failing, falling, sinning before God. But then we see the continual, perpetual, unchanging nature of God, his just nature and his loving nature to constantly pick people up and keep pushing them forward. Adam and Eve, they sinned, but God covered their shame. Abraham sinned. Moses sinned. David sinned. Jonah sinned. Peter sinned. You could go through almost every name in the Bible. You literally could go through every name in the Bible and find each area of, this, of, the, of the shortcomings or the failings of these people. But then in their sin, you see connected to it the faithfulness of God. The faithfulness of God. Psalm 33, verse 4. This is what it says. I love this passage of Scripture. It says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work. Everybody say all. All his work is done in faithfulness. All his work is done in faithfulness. Everything that God does, his guiding hand is motivated by being faithful. By being faithful. There's no hidden agendas with God. He's not trying to to show off. There's no selfish motivations. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins, and it was done out of love. No other motivation but out of love and faithfulness to his people. I was was reading the the other night, and I'm going to go a little bit off script, but I just really believe that God wants me to go over it with this approach. I, I know being in church sometimes we use language that, that though theologically correct and often biblically accurate, it, it's a bit confusing. You know, sometimes we can use phrases and you'll clap to it because it sounds really good and it kind of gives you a little bit of like, wow, but I want us to like, I want us to carry an understanding of, of, of really what's trying, of what, of what God's trying to convey in his, in his word. And this, this word faithfulness, everybody say faithfulness. Now, I don't know what comes to mind or what happens or what type of reaction you get when you say faithfulness. I don't know if you're reminded of the times when you were not faithful or you failed. I don't know if you recall the faithfulness of God in your past. And sometimes you need to pause because, listen, I really believe that one of the greatest keys to walking in confidence before before God and before men is to recall and constantly remember the faithfulness of God to you and to his people. And as I was going through scripture, I I realized a few weeks ago we were talking about how Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people. Do you recall that? We were talking about it in service, and he took the the five loaves and the two fish, and and he, he miraculously blessed them. Do you remember that the disciples said, hey, there's a problem. Jesus didn't see a problem. They saw the problem, so they saw the problem, and Jesus said, listen, if you're going to see it, you're going to solve it. And so if you see the problem, you're going to solve the problem, and I want you to feed the people. And right then, they're like, I probably shouldn't have solved the problem. And then Jesus is like, what do you got? And they said, this is all we have. And he says, take what you have. I will bless it and multiply it. And then they distributed it to all the people. There were leftovers in that the basket. There were 12 baskets of leftovers after Jesus were a miracle of feeding 5,000 people. Then we follow immediately after that, Jesus is exhausted. Right before that happened, he found out John the, Map- John the Baptist was beheaded. He tries to get away, he can't. He feeds 5,000 through the act of obedience with the disciples. 
and then sends the disciples off on a boat. And you remember that this is when Jesus begins to walk on water and sees the disciples. And remember the moment where Peter steps out and he says, Jesus, if it's you, call me out of the boat. And he says, it is I. And Jesus walks on water and then he begins to sink because he looks at the storm and the wind and the waves. And as he's sinking, it says that Jesus reached out and pulled Peter up and he says, ye of little faith. There's all this context of faith, faith, belief, saying, why do you not believe? Why don't you have faith? Something's quite interesting after that. Because right after this interaction, we begin to see that um, people continued to pursue Jesus. He could not get away from people. And I want you to hear this because I think it'll help you understand this dynamic of, of God's faithfulness. The people were fed and they continually pursued Jesus. And it says the next day, the crowd, I, not all the verses will be, will be um, Uh, on the screen, but I want you to listen. I want you to hear this. It says, the next day the crowd had stayed on the far shore and saw that disciples had taken the only boat. They were trying to find Jesus. And finally they found him on the other side of the lake and they asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? So they're pursuing Jesus, trying to find him. Now I find this fascinating. Listen to the response of Jesus. Listen to what he says. It says, Jesus replied in verse 26, John chapter 6, verse 26, I tell you the truth, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Now pause for a moment because some of you, I don't, I I want you to get this because there's a powerful context or just principle in what he just expressed here. He says, you didn't follow me because I took five loaves and two fish and multiplied them in a miraculous way before you and fed everyone. You're here because you're hungry and not in a spiritual context. And all of a sudden it dawned on me that, that though they don't understand it, God's still faithful. It means that God can, God can work with your motives that are not pure. It means that even if your motives aren't pure, like you're showing up and you're like, I'm just here to find a spouse. (laughs) I'm just here to to just feel good. I'm just here, whatever. Guess what? That's all right with God. God's going to use whatever motive you got. If you're going to pursue him, he's going to use it. And I love this, but this is what he says. He says, just so we don't mess this up, I know why you're here. There's only one person who can judge the hearts and the motives and the intentions of each one of us, and it's God the Father. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. It is the Godhead. He can actually discern that in our spirits. So when the people gather together before him, he says, you're not here because of the miracle I worked before you. He says, you're here because you're hungry. Can I I just say it this way, that some of you have missed the miracle that God's worked in your life because you're just so concerned, you're just so concerned to satisfy your flesh. You're so worried about where the money is going to come from. You're so worried about where the next resource is going to come from. You're so worried about the promotion, so worried about this need, so worried about that need, that you miss the miracle. And can I say, in missing the miracle, you miss God's faithfulness? And for many of us, we we don't recognize it, but we just miss God's faithfulness in so many things. And I often wonder, how many times is God's faithfulness displayed to us, yet we just miss it? You just don't even see it. We're praying, God, show me your faithfulness. And then every day, I just believe it's every moment of our life. It's in our very breath God's faithfulness is displayed. And we just miss it. We miss it. And then I love this because Jesus doesn't stop there. 
Do you ever feel like you just sometimes, I, I love Jesus in these moments because Jesus is, is so, con- you, you'll see in scripture that it says the, the compassion he had towards people, he, he continued to pursue them, but his compassion w- was one that allowed him to be receptive to the brokenness of people, but he didn't speak in a way that misled people, he spoke with truth. It was real, it was to the point. So all these people are pursuing him, he's like, listen, you didn't come to me because you need a spiritual renewal. You're just hungry. How do you know that? You know what I mean? You're just hungry. Don't miss the miracle. And I love verse 27, because he doesn't stop after that. He says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Don't be so concerned. Listen to this. Some, some of you need to hear this. Spend your energy. Spend your energy. Spend your time, spend your resources, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Spend your energy. How many of you have spent your energy on things other than pursuing Jesus? And I'm telling you, some of us are like, whoa, 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 wait a second. I, I got to feed a family. I got to keep the job. I got to keep everything going. That's true. Don't worry about it. God said that he's faithful to, to give you what you need. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. And here again, Jesus is saying, do not waste your energy. Invest your energy into pursuing Jesus. And he's saying that because he understands the return of you investing your energy in your walk with God is way more significant than you investing your energy into your next meal. In verse 29, it says, Jesus told them, They're there, and I suppose it's an awkward conversation, right? Because they're gathering around them, and Jesus kind of calls them out. It's like that, maybe one of those awkward conversations you had at Thanksgiving. Everything was happy, and then someone said, hey, what about this? And it got like, oh, you know, don't bring that up. And it's kind of like one of these things, all these people gathered, and Jesus didn't even wait. He's like, you're not here because I worked a miracle. You're here because you're hungry. And then he says, don't waste your energy pursuing food when you should be seeking eternal things that come through Jesus. And then I love what he says next because what he says next is quite significant. They all say to him, oh, 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 you're, you're, you're right, you're right. And, and I love this because they're trying to kind of backpedal a little bit. And it says, then they replied, we want to perform God's works. What should we do? What should we do? Now it's like, no, we want to be good, Jesus. We want to, we want to do works for God. This is, we want to help. We want to do works for God. And I love this because Jesus told them, this is the only work. It's the only work God wants from you. It's the only thing. Believe in the one he has sent. That's it. Of all the things that we get caught in and doing, he says this is the only thing, it's the only one that God wants from you is to believe in the one that he sent. I don't know about you, but I just believe that when I was younger and I heard the word faithfulness, I just... I didn't understand it because I suppose through the context or through the lens of time, it's, I don't know, I suppose faithfulness, it grows over time because you have more to look back on. You have more to see in your past. <laughs> and for many of us, I, I, I don't know, it's maybe the longer we go, the more humble we get because we see our own brokenness, but we see the greater display of God's faithfulness in the midst of our brokenness and it produces humility in us. And we say, man, God, I can't believe that you continually love me. All the things I say, all the things I do, 
all the misappropriation of my energy, but yet you still love me. You still pursue me. You're continually faithful. Day in and day out, you're faithful. And for everyone else, I know sometimes, listen, when you're younger and you're like, man, faithfulness, how has God been faithful to me? I haven't even really done that much. I haven't screwed up that much. I haven't accomplished that much. It has not, his faithfulness is not contingent upon what you've done. He will be faithful to you. And I suppose the best way for you to understand his faithfulness is to see Jesus. Just to see Jesus. And I love this because just a few chapters later, in chapter 9, Jesus is so frustrated, he's overwhelmed because these people are pursuing him and they don't, they don't seem to see him for who he is. They just don't see him. And Jesus is working all these miracles and all this stuff's happening and people are excited and they want to be part of the crowd and they want to be fed physically and they know that they're being nourished spiritually but they don't understand the, the, the gravity of what is transpiring in these interactions and these teachings with Jesus and they recognize they're being fed but they don't really understand the gravity of it. And, and Jesus, I, I can see it in chapter 9 of John, he, he's starting to get frustrated with with, with leading the people because they just don't see him for who he is. Listen to me. If you want to understand the, the faithfulness of God, it's in seeing Jesus for who he is. When you see Jesus for who he is, you'll understand God's faithfulness. Why? Because it says in Scripture that God demonstrated his love towards us, that while we were still a sinner, faithless before God, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you so that you could have eternal life. God is faithful to you. He's faithful to you. And I love this context. I want you to, are you still with me? You still with me? Jesus is in this dialogue and people are angry because Jesus healed a man of his blindness. And the the religious leaders are like, I can't believe it. And no one wants to say that Jesus healed them. So they bring the parents in of, of the son who was healed from blindness. He was born blind. Jesus healed him. And they brought the parents in, and no one was allowed to say Jesus, that he was the Son of God. And so they brought him in, the parents like, I don't want to say nothing. My son's old enough. He can speak for himself. And so they bring the son in before the Sanhedrin, and they're talking before uh, all the people, and, and they're like, who healed you? Who did this work? And he's like, listen, I don't know what you have, what your issue is with Jesus, but all I know is I was blind, and now I see. And all I know is Jesus healed me and gave me sight. I could not see, but now I see. And so they were all angry. They kick them out, and all this dialogue is going on, and people are arguing, and everything's happening around this. And all of a sudden, Jesus speaks to the situation. Listen to what he says. When Jesus heard what was happening, he found the man and asked the man who he healed from blindness. He says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe? Do you remember just chapters before he says the only thing that God asks, the one thing that he asks is that you just believe. Just believe. Just have faith that God is working in you. He's not done yet. That he sees you in your situation. That it's only just the beginning. It's not the finish line. It's really the starting line. He's just getting ready to do something significant. He's been preparing you. He's been equipping you. He's been setting you apart for this season. And know that he's not done yet. And here it is in this moment. Listen to me now. It says, when Jesus heard about what had happened, he found the man and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered him, who is he? Who is he? I want to believe in him. And Jesus replies to him. He says, you have seen him. And he is speaking to you. 
He says, yes, Lord, I believe. And the man said, and he, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. He was in that moment, he didn't recognize who Jesus was. And he says, I am the son of man. And he says, I believe, I believe. And, and then he began to worship Jesus. Listen, understanding God's faithfulness is displayed in our acts of worship. I'm telling you, I don't care how you slice it and dice it. I don't care if you're an introvert, if you're awkward, if you, if, you sang, if you sing terribly, if you don't like being in a public setting, if too many people freak you out, you don't like being that close to people. I don't care what the excuse is. When you understand the faithfulness of God, you'll worship. You'll worship. Like I've tried to over the years, try to contextualize and say, well, they're more conservative people. Well, they're just introverts. I don't think there will be one being in the presence of God standing before the throne of heaven and saying, oh, I'm just conservative. (laughs) I don't lift my hands. (laughs) Oh, it's just not in my nature. When you understand the faithfulness of God, the, the response is to worship. And this man who was blind and now he can see. And Jesus says, do you believe? And he says, I want to believe who is the Son of Man. And he says, I am. And he says, I believe. And he began to worship. But listen to this. Then Jesus told him, he says, I entered this world to render judgment. To give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some of the Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? These are religious people. They're saying to Jesus, are you saying that we can't see? Jesus, oh, time out. Are you saying that we're blind? And this is Jesus' response. He says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. Can I tell you something? You know what Jesus was saying? In all that, some of you might have got lost in the expression of it. Jesus was saying, because you say you can see, you're blind. Because you say that you can see, you're blind. Do you know what he was trying to get at? They're trying to say that they can see, but they missed him. They missed him. And in everything that we pursue in this relationship with Jesus... You can stand on, on, on whatever street corner. You can, you can stand proudly before people and say, I can see. Unless you see Jesus, you're blind. Unless you see Jesus, you're blind. And Jesus is before him. And he says, because you say you can see, you're blind. You know what he's saying to them? You need to see me. If you don't see me, you're blind. It's all about Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you'll see the faithfulness of God. When you see Jesus in every aspect of your life, you'll see the faithfulness of God displayed. That Jesus is saying, listen, I came to set the captives free. I've come to heal the blind so that they can see. And he says, if you're standing there and saying, I can see, he says, you're really blind. Because arrogance will prevent you from seeing Jesus. Prevent you from seeing Jesus. And my heart this season... Of everything that we do as a, as a spiritual family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as a family of God, is that we would see Jesus in everything. Because I'm convinced, I'm so convinced of this, that if we see Jesus for who he really is, we'll worship him all the time. We'll recognize his faithfulness. We'll be reminded of his faithfulness. And for everyone else, maybe you're younger and you're like, man, I, I, I don't really understand the faithfulness. See Jesus. 
and see Jesus as God's demonstration of his love and his faithfulness to humanity. If it were not for Jesus, we would have no salvation. I want to pray for some of you before we finish today. I know some of, some of us, we come into church and we bounce out, we come in and we bounce out. But can I tell you something? You weren't created to do that. You were created to walk with Jesus, to be part of the body of Christ, to be connected and planted and rooted down in a local church. And some of you always ask those questions. Do I really need to? No, you don't because God gives you free will. You can decide whatever you want. But in your decision, know that there's consequences. And the Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. My heart is that you would know Jesus, that you would see Jesus, and that you'd be planted in the local church. Let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you, and I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, then you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I want to encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody. Whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I want to encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.